Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Modell. Uh, he is a market analyst. He has a YouTube channel called David Modell Looking at the Markets. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, David. Thank you for bringing me bringing me on, uh, Jordan. I can't believe that I am the first person you're interviewing, not just for the new year, for the new decade. This is That's crazy right. and exciting. We're getting things off to a very good start for this decade. Before we get into the substance of things, just give people a brief background of uh, your history and how you've gotten to where you are today. Absolutely. Yeah, my name is David Modell, uh, and I have a YouTube channel looking at the markets. If you type in David Modell, M-O-A-D-E-L, with one L only, you'll get there. And I've got over 500 videos on YouTube that you can watch for free. And uh, I'm telling you, it's been quite a journey for me. My father, who is now uh, 84 years old, got me started in the investing and trading game uh, back when I was a teenager in the 1980s. And uh, he is still my mentor. He is my Warren Buffett. He is my Ben Graham, my John C. Bogle. And I'm trying to spread his knowledge uh, but with my own slant on it, my own angle, because he's not so good at the computers <laughs> and the oh, YouTube yeah. and all that stuff, as he calls it. Uh, but I'm able to, because I'm an educator, I have a master's degree in education. Uh, so I'm able to convey those uh, investing principles, the, that sound money type of philosophy to the people. And I'm glad to provide the information and the insights. Terrific. Okay, well, let's kind of start with an overall look at the worldwide economy. We've got this tremendous shakeup going on in the Middle East right now, where we don't know exactly what the next step's going to be, but it seems like things are escalating. Uh, we've got oil prices up, we've got gold prices up, the stock markets are kind of shaky. How do you see the next uh, scenario from what we've started over the last few days here? Yeah, well, right now, as we're recording this, uh, in spite of the geopolitical turmoil, the S&P 500 is up, it's green, the NASDAQ is green, the Russell 2000 is green, and the Dow is just about flat. Uh, so, And uh, silver and gold went up, and, and but that's a pop and drop type of situation. They're coming back to where they were. And even crude oil is a pop and drop today. Uh, so what does that all mean? That means that the market is shrugging it all off. Uh, it, it is every, all good news has been priced in. This has been going on for a while. And I believe that trying to short the market, people uh, talk to me through my, you know, uh, through the YouTube comments on my YouTube channel all the time. They say, Dave, uh, should I short the market? I mean, this is the longest uh, expansion cycle in, in stock market history or at least in the American stock market. And so I, I believe that uh, I should short the market, right? And I say, uh, you know, there's an old saying, bull markets do not die of old age. Uh, I, I did not make that up. I'm not going to take credit right. for it. Uh, but it really is true that uh, don't try to short this market. Don't try to go against it. I do believe in, uh, and I'm uh, quoting very poorly, but uh, I'm paraphrasing Kirk Spano, who believes in slow growth forever. 
Now, I'm not going to say forever, but how about over the next decade? That might as well be forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I believe there will be slow growth uh, or no growth uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, so while I don't want to short the, this market that shrugs off anything and everything bad that happens, uh, I believe that uh, results just from a buy and hold S&P 500 or other index fund uh, type of strategy will be anemic. And so you got to start looking at alternatives. Let's play out a scenario first. You say at the moment the market's shredding off a possibility of a Middle East war, but let's let's go full out here. Let's say mm-hmm. that uh, Iran starts shooting missiles at American bases, and President Trump puts missiles all over Iran, and they retaliate, and we get an outright hot war in the Middle East. Iraq is trying to throw Americans out of the country right now as far as troops so we may have to operate from Saudi Arabia or Kuwait or something in this situation. Mm-hmm. Say, say we get a really hot war and the, the Iran tries to cut off the Strait of Hormuz. What would that do to the world economic outlook and markets? Uh, it would be great for crude oil longs. <laughs> uh, however, again, I, I think that this is a Teflon market, as I've been calling it, meaning nothing sticks as far as bad news goes. Uh, well, you can have political turmoil. That's all fine and good. Uh, it will be brief. It, it will uh, be a, a boost to commodities, uh, and that's all fine and good. Uh, gold and silver may go up temporarily. Uh, like I said, crude oil. Uh, and that will affect, uh, you know, for example, ETFs like XOP or OIH, uh, which are focused on the uh, exploration and production aspects of oil. Uh, those could do well. If we want something simpler, just USO, uh, which is the U.S. oil fund, uh, if you want more direct exposure to the uh, something that tracks the oil price, uh, you can get in those now. And yeah, oil will probably shoot past 70 uh, within the next few months. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, it has it, it got in up to 75 uh, not that long ago. Uh, it was about a year and a half ago it was at that level. So it could easily and probably will get there again. So but, would that be the best way to play it? Would be oil or, or would gold and silver do better? Oh, uh, boy. It depends on your time frame. If you're just going to hold for the next six months, uh, I would say oil. Uh, but if you're looking further out, uh, I, I would say gold and silver, and especially silver, since the gold to silver ratio uh, right now is about 86 and a half, uh, which is above the historical norm of about 60. Uh, it did go up to 94 not that long ago, but it came right back. It's only been up to this level uh, four times since the gold window closed back in the year of my birth, <laughs> 1971. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just there, there's an ETF, DBC. Uh, that's commodities just generally. Uh, so if, if you're not sure, if you don't want to be a picker and a chooser, you could just go with something like that. Uh, be aware that with some of these ETFs, you might be issued a K-1 tax form, which is a pain in the you-know-what. Uh, yeah. But if you know how, if you don't mind dealing with that, with the tax possible tax implications of this, uh, then that that could be a way to play it. Um, as far as the S&P 500, uh, it, it, this is a market where the Federal Reserve is injecting $100 billion of liquidity into the banking system per month. Uh, and also, they've signaled very recently that they're not going to hike rates at all uh, over the next year, at least. And they're they're probably going to do some cutting as well. Don't be shocked. Uh, so I don't want to fight the Fed, not right now, at least. 
I mean, normally when the Fed is putting injecting liquidity, and it's not only the Fed, it's European Central Bank, it's the Japanese, mm -hmm. Chinese central banks around the world have been cutting interest rates and putting in liquidity, that would normally create an inflationary environment. Why is that not happening this time? Yeah, no, it will. Uh, this is this is a delayed reaction. Uh, even pre even the president uh, wants a cheaper U.S. dollar. Uh, so it it will happen. Uh, it it's amazing. It is amazing to me that so far we don't have uh, extreme hyperinflation. But the Federal Reserve has recently uh, expressed a willingness to allow inflation to quote unquote run hot and quote unquote play catch up. Uh, so they're willing to allow inflation to. They're not just willing to allow. They want inflation to go up. Uh, they they want uh, the president wants a cheap U.S. dollar so it'll be competitive, uh, so that people or people and businesses around the world will trade with the U.S. dollar, and also so that the interest payments on the U.S. national debt will be cheaper as well. Uh, so he wants a cheaper U.S. dollar. So we will get we'll get devaluation and deflation of the value of the dollar, which translates to inflation as a consumer. It's going to hit the consumer. Uh, expect it to happen. Yeah, it, it's been resilient because the U.S. dollar still is better, quote unquote. Notice I didn't say good. Yeah. It is favorable to other currencies, which have been like uh, China has been devaluing its currency as well. There's been a currency war going on. So race to the bottom, yes. Yeah, so uh, race to the bottom. And that's been holding up the U.S. dollar and some other currencies thus far. Don't expect it to last forever, though. So if that what you just said happens, you get a lower dollar, you get more inflation uh, because of all the central bank liquidity. Specifically, mm -hmm. how would that impact gold? Well, gold does have, historically speaking, and I know past, re past results are not indic indicative necessarily of future returns. We know that. Uh, that's the old disclaimer. But uh, historically, go ahead as an exercise, anybody listening to this, overlap uh, a chart of the U.S. dollar uh, versus gold. And you'll see a pretty good uh, inverse correlation there. Uh, because there are only so many safe havens that people can run to. Uh, if you look at what happened in 2008, 2009, uh, in terms of safe havens, uh, when there was a financial crisis and the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ and so on were melting down, gold went down with it, silver went down with it briefly, but then they bounced high and hard. Uh, from 2008 and 9 until 2011 when they peaked, there was a big, big resurgence in commodities. So it's not always going to be immediate. These things don't happen uh, when we want them to. Okay, Mr. Market or Mrs. Market, as the case may be, uh, will grant us these gifts when he or she is good and ready. And uh, so, so how would you play that? Assuming that there are going to be gifts from gold coming, would you buy physical gold coins or would you buy gold mining shares or the ETFs or GLD or how would you play gold if you think gold is going up over the next year or so? Uh, it depends. Uh, to quote uh, Clint Eastwood, are you feeling lucky? <laughs> so how much, uh, how much risk do you want to take on? Uh, for example, if, if you're very uh, close to retirement, uh, you know, if, you, if you're not ready to take any, a, a lot of risk on, then you may just want to get the physical uh, delivery. Uh, so, and some tips for that. 
it, because the old some people believe uh, that you, if you don't hold it, you don't own it, and there is something to that, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, if you want to take physical delivery of gold and or silver, and because of the gold silver ratio, I do recommend a, a higher balance of silver as opposed to gold right now. Uh, but yes, you can get the physical. Just a few tips: uh, make sure uh, that you get as close to the spot price as possible. Don't worry about how pretty it is, unless that's why you're buying it. Uh, but as far as the numismatic value, the beauty value, the historical value, uh, you know, don't fall for that uh, line of, of reasoning in Provide ad copy. Bullion, <laughs> not numismatics together. That's yes, precisely. Well said. Uh, and uh, make sure that you store it in a safe location. Don't tell anybody about it. Uh, you'd be amazed how that can work against you. <laughs> yes. uh, people are not good at keeping secrets. Uh, and uh, also make sure that you insure it. Uh, now, those those will cost money, so you really have to believe in gold and or silver going up over the long term. Uh, now, if you don't mind a little... We have to take a, little... a break. Dave, we okay. have to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk more about this. My guest this hour is David Modell. Uh, he is a YouTube uh, market analyst. Uh, you can find his YouTube channel at David Modell, Looking at the Markets. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Your leadership journey must be a continuous process of education and improvement. If you think you've learned all you need to know, think again. Find out the latest from contemporary authors on topics from character to values and everything in between. Discover insights into servant leader fundamentals along with your host, Tom Crea. Tune into Your Evolving Leadership Journey, Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. 
Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Modell. He's a market analyst. He has his own YouTube channel, which is called David Modell Looking at the Markets. Welcome back to the show, David. Thank you, sir. Glad to be on here. So we were talking about gold. So we talked about physical gold a little bit and get uh, bullion instead of numismatics. On the gold shares, are there some specific gold stocks that you like, either majors or juniors? Uh, yeah, I, you, you know what I like? It, if you want a pure play, uh, you might try, and this is something that is uh, uh, recommended by Rick Rule. Yeah. Uh, it is Sprott, S-P-R-O-T-T. Uh, there's the uh, Sprott Physical Gold Trust, ticker symbol P-H-Y-S. Uh, and I'm not being paid to say this. It's just Rick yeah. Rule is, is just, a, you know, I'm a big fan of his. Um, so, you know, I'm recommending this. And, and then there's a uh, physical silver trust, uh, PSLV. Uh, and then there's CEF, which is the gold and silver. Uh, and what's what, what I like about that one is that uh, if, if you request, I mean, you can own the shares. And then if you request it, uh, I don't speak for them, you know, but so you want to look it up uh, on the website uh, or their prospectus before you make any financial decisions. Uh, but my understanding is that they will deliver the physical upon request uh, un- under certain c- uh, conditions. Uh, so, you know, if you, want, if you want to straddle both sides of that fence, that's one way to do it. How would that be different? Uh, now, if you want to get into the mining shares, uh, I, I do like uh, First Majestic Silver. Okay. And uh, th- that is uh, led by uh, Keith Newmeyer, uh, who is Mr. Uh, silver, as they call him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I can hear you just fine. And uh, Keith Newmeyer is is such a a, a great uh, leader and kind of a rainmaker among uh, among the metal space. Okay. Uh, so AG uh, is the ticker symbol for First Majestic Silver, uh, and then uh, another one is Hecla Mining, which is HL. Uh, and they're heavily into the into the precious metals in the gold space. So those are some those are a couple of good ones right there. So why do you, I know there's this ratio of gold to silver that's way out of whack in favor of gold, but what is the fundamental reason why silver should go up more than gold? Uh, well, it's it's just out of whack. It's out of balance. Uh, again, when you have an eighty six and a half uh, gold to silver ratio, uh, it it just it whenever it's gotten up to that uh, sky high level, it hasn't stayed there. Uh, for that long, it, it could stay there for a, a year or two, and then comes right back down. So it's it's not the quickest way to uh, get money, you know, uh, appreciation on your investment. Uh, it's just a way to rebalance. Uh, also, keep in mind that uh, compared to gold, uh, silver really is an industrial metal. Yeah. Uh, people uh, and central banks will buy gold as a store of value, uh, but if you want something that really has uh, uh, you know, a, a presence among industrial uses, silver is the way to go. Uh, and uh, along with, uh, you know, lithium, I, I've been recommending to a lot of people to start considering lithium because of its industrial uses in electric vehicles. Yes. Uh, so if, if you want something with definite uses, uh, gold may not even be the way to go right now. So another kind of safe haven, I'm not sure it's safe, but it's another haven that people have been looking at recently is the cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin mm-hmm. in particular which when all this Middle East turmoil happened, started moving up. I mean, it's had a, quite a history. It soared 
to almost 19,000, it'll drop to about 3,000, now it's about seven or 8,000. What is your outlook for Bitcoin specifically and the cryptocurrencies this year? Yeah, uh, well, right now, as, as I'm looking, uh, it is Bitcoin at about 7,500, uh, which, hey, not too bad considering less than a year ago, it was less than half of that. Uh, now, of course, it did get up to 20,000 at one point in December of 2017. The problem with 2017 was that it was riding on the backs of ICO hype. Yep. And uh, retail uh, people getting in and not knowing what the heck they were doing. Uh, there were ICO in, initial coin offerings everywhere, and so there was crypto hype. Uh, in 2019, what we saw was more institutional investment uh, getting into it. Yes, there were there were the the tails, you know, the retails getting in, uh, but there were just as many toots or institutions as tails. <laughs> so uh, th this is more promising to me, and I like the way that it's holding steady, uh, Bitcoin in particular, because uh, the other ones will follow, will tend to follow Bitcoin. So I, I kind of use Bitcoin as the mothership, uh, as Rich TV Live once called it, uh, among cryptocurrencies. Are there uh, any so, other cryptos you would like in addition to Bitcoin? Uh, I have a tendency to stick to the top 10 if you go to uh, CoinMarketCap or WorldCoinIndex. Uh, just look at the top 10 and, and stick to those. Those are kind of the blue chips. So you got your Ethereum. Uh, you, a lot of other, many other cryptocurrencies are Ethereum-based, and so that's uh, a good reason to get into that one. Uh, Ripple, which has had some uh, banker interest, uh, so you know there's a good reason perhaps to consider that one. Uh, but maybe Mainly, I just stick to Bitcoin, uh, and I like the way it's been range-bound lately. I know that's uh, kind of boring to people who enjoyed watching it go from uh, 3,500 to you know 13,500 last year at one point. Uh, right, right now it's it's between halfway between seven and eight thousand, and it's been doing that. It's been in that range for months and months. I view that as stability. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what uh, we need for the toots, for the institutes, for the, the yeah. big bankers and the hedge funds and, and ETFs, hopefully in the future, to start getting into crypto. They want to see that stability. They're seeing it, and that's what I, I want to see as well. Will people see uh, cryptocurrencies be used more in everyday financial transactions coming forward? Yeah, I don't. I don't see why not. Uh, now, I, I don't necessarily see that uh, with Facebook's Libra. By the way, uh, there is a reason that uh, you know Visa and Mastercard and PayPal uh, and eBay pulled out yes. uh, uh, their uh, their financial backing, uh, which uh, you know they they promised to back uh, fa uh, Facebook's Libra project. Uh, and and then they backed out of it and, uh, after seeing the grilling that uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg got in Congress, and and now we're not even really sure. Uh, you know, they pushed back. They pushed back uh, to mid 2020, mid this year, middle of this year, uh, the launch, and who knows if and when that's going to happen. Whereas Bitcoin is already in the matrix, as they say. Uh, it's already being used. Uh, it's all you know, and and plus we know things about it. We know there will only be 21 million uh, bitcoins ever created uh, unless they start changing it unless they start acting like the federal reserve <laughs> but uh, i i don't plan on that happening because uh, there is no centralized body controlling it which is what i like about it i do imagine that uh, when you go on amazon for example uh, 
when you go on uh, PayPal, when you go on payment platforms, you're going to see at some point a pay here with Bitcoin button. Uh, yeah. And when that happens, the price of Bitcoin should go up substantially uh, because th- that's when that uh, barrier has been breached finally. We're not there yet. But again, the idea is to get in before uh, everybody else is stampeding, not afterwards. How much of a typical portfolio would you put into Bitcoin right now? Uh, how about 10% or less? Okay, <laughs> at the that's moment. still a good okay. amount. Because it, it is speculative. Uh, and if you are uh, close to retirement, how about 5% or less? Uh, because uh, the idea is to get in now and then hope for a 10x, so to speak. Uh, hope for it to you know go up substantially. And so if you put in 5% of your portfolio and it goes up 10x eventually, uh, you did fine. You might regret not putting in more, but uh, Bitcoin could go down and it could stay down for a long time. And if you're close to retirement, uh, you don't want something that could, uh, you know, go down in price substantially for 5, 10, 15 years before you start to see the results. Yeah. Okay. Another area that you like to talk about are cannabis stocks. Now, mm-hmm. I think several states have now uh, legalized it as of January 1st this year. It's being used more and more in medical and it's being used around the world as well. Yet the cannabis stocks just got destroyed for the most part in 2019. Why is it that the business can be doing well, but the stocks do not? Uh, it's interesting that you say that. I would say the stocks have been a pretty good representative of the businesses most of the time. Um, I well, okay. You you just alluded to uh, Illinois, <clears throat> which has moved forward forward with recreational sales. Uh, but uh, I would say that the cannabis stocks very much mirrored uh, cryptocurrencies, interestingly, <laughs> that we just talked about that. Uh-huh. Uh, in 2017, you saw that run uh, based on hype. Uh, Bitcoin went up too much. I know we're saying that in hindsight, <laughs> but uh, the pot stocks went up too much. Uh, and now they are on sale, and as uh, and also they, they went up too much uh, in the first half of 2019 because of quote unquote cannabis 2.0, uh, which was Canada allowing the edibles and and the vape products to be sold. Uh, they priced that in way too much, way too early, uh, but now it's actually going to happen. Uh, we're going to start to see more sales, more legalization uh, on both sides, uh, you know, in the great white north and and where I am right now in the United States. Uh, and I, I do believe that the sales will increase, the revenues will increase. And it does uh, kind of like what I just said with Bitcoin, this time around, it doesn't have to be based on hype and hope. It can actually be based on real revenue. So I'm still bullish on it. What would be one or two of your favorite cannabis stocks, or do you like the ETFs in that space? Uh, you can, you know what, if you just want to, if you don't want to be a stock uh, picker, you can go with MJ, which is an ETF. Uh, that, that's a very popular one. Uh, or you can go with uh, the, the ones with the biggest market caps. Uh, you got your Canopy Growth Corp., your Afria, your Aurora, Organigram, Kronos Group, and Hexo. Uh, Tilray is a bit speculative, but that's a big one as well. Uh-huh. So you are, in general, they've come way down, and longer term you are positive. There's probably going to be some consolidation here, right? Uh, 
yeah, consolidation is normal, though. Uh, you have to digest what's been happening. Uh, but you know, everything I've been saying is not something that's going to turn around tomorrow, uh, necessarily, in terms of profits. Uh, this is something you buy and you believe in the, uh, not, not in the hype, but you believe in the industry that legalization will expand, people will relax, policymakers will relax laws, and that uh, people will realize that, uh, you know, this can be a, he- a source of healing and something that's recreationally not any worse than alcohol. When people understand that, then the prices should go up eventually. And do you think it will be made legal in, uh, federally in the U- United States? Uh, I think it's inevitable. Uh, I, 62% of the United States adult population is in favor of it. Uh, it's just a matter of getting some policymakers who are willing to listen to the people rather than trying to anticipate what their uh, core voter base thinks. Very good. And we're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is David Modell. Uh, he is a stock market analyst. Uh, he has a YouTube channel show called David Modell Looking at the Markets. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Modell. He's a stock market analyst. He has a YouTube channel uh, show called David Modell Looking at the Markets. Welcome back to the show, David. Uh, It's really great to be here. Thank you. So we've talked about the more speculative part, gold, silver, uh, cannabis, and Bitcoin. Now let's get a little bit more conservative. And you're a big believer in stocks that raise their dividends over the time. What is your uh, reason that you think that's a good place to put money? And what would be some of your 
favorite dividend paying stocks? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, it's not quote unquote sexy or hot to talk about dividend stocks. Uh, you know, you're not going to go into a chat room and talk about them and get a lot of uh, you know uh, a lot of hype uh, and hopium over those. Uh, and yet, who does better over the long term? People who speculate a lot, or or people who uh, grow their wealth and their prosperity over time? Uh, clearly. If you can compound your wealth, uh, that is a great way to go over time. Uh, and so dividend stock investing really is a great way to go. Uh, it's If you're worried about the stock market declining, uh, dividend stocks have been shown to do better than non-dividend payers through recessions, through market crashes, and just over time. Uh, and also, uh, companies that reward their loyal shareholders, uh, I, that gives me a good, warm and fuzzy kind of feeling. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with companies that also, uh, you know, uh, keep that money so they can uh, invest it back into research and development and infrastructure and so on. Hey, that's, that's great. Uh, but that doesn't mean they don't have to pay a dividend. For example, Amazon does not pay a dividend. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying Amazon's a bad stock to invest in, although it is, although I, I'm not a huge fan of anything with a PE ratio that's three digits, but, um, Normally, uh, but you know, I, I do. Uh, or Google is another example of a, a good company, also another expensive stock, uh, coincidentally, that does not pay a dividend. So they're not all bad if they don't pay a dividend. Don't get the wrong idea. Uh, but you know, Warren Buffett didn't get uh, rich buying Amazon and Google. Yeah, he got rich uh, buying dividend stocks uh, like Coca-Cola and McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, and they don't what even have the biggest. What would be some of your favorites today? For you, specifically for with high yields, you know the S and P is yielding maybe two percent or so, but yeah. those were considerably above the market uh, yield. What would be either some industries or individual companies that you like for their dividend-paying history? Sure. Well, if you want an industry, you can always go into utilities, uh, and if you just want to buy the whole basket, you, you can get XLU, uh, which is uh, you know the utilities ETF. Uh, that that's one way to go, and uh, if you're getting close to retirement, that's a that's a great one to invest in. Uh, and there are others that are real dividend kings or dividend aristocrats, which do not have exact definitions, by the way. But uh, if they, if a company has been paying or increasing their dividends year after year after year for decades, uh, we can call them dividend kings or aristocrats, uh, and that's fine. I did mention Coca-Cola and McDonald's. Uh, as long as you believe that America is going to continue to eat crap, <laughs> then uh, then uh, get yourself a you know a, a Coke with some Mickey D's, <laughs> okay. and and while you're at it, get get some of the shares and just hold on to them. Um, and it's not about the highest yield though; uh, those two don't even pay the highest yield. Uh, but I, I'd rather have a sustainable yield. That's the idea. Don't just go for the because there are stocks out there that'll offer a ten percent. I've seen uh, you know dividend yield, but then if the stock is tanking, if if the business model is is crappy, uh, don't go for it. Uh, but others that I I tend to turn to over and over, three uh, M. Yep. Uh, that th yeah, that that's a solid one. Uh, you're not going to go wrong. And notice that these are all Dow stocks, or at least S and P 500 stocks that I've been mentioning. Uh, Colgate pa Colgate Palmolive, okay, uh, always uh, has a, a pretty good dividend that I've seen. Um, 
let's see, uh, 3M, uh, um, you know what, I'm going to look at my own personal portfolio here, <laughs> see what see what I'm, I'm actually well, investing in right now. You actually have at your website, so you, you can take them. I just want to get to another area of producing income, which is selling covered calls, yeah. options. Who is that appropriate to do, and how do you do selling covered call when you have such a volatile market? Uh, sure. Well, before I get to that, uh, the other ones, yeah, here's my list. Uh, Caterpillar, Home Depot, Microsoft, and uh, Bank of America and Walmart. Those are some others. Okay. All right. Uh, so, you know, just wanted to pull out my list so I, okay. I don't say the wrong things. Uh, now, with options trading, uh, covered calls, yeah, that, that's kind of a second dividend, as they say. Uh, so the way that works is uh, you have to have an options trading account with your broker, uh, so make sure you, you, you're not just usually automatically given permission to uh, sell covered calls on your stock shares. And so what you can do is uh, ask your broker if they allow uh, if they allow you to uh, trade options and then get permission. And usually the easiest permission level to get is selling covered calls. And so what all this means, in case you're listening, you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you buy 100 shares of stock. What you can do is you can sell something. You can get a little bit of extra income, kind of like a second dividend, uh, by selling uh, what's known as a call option on those 100 shares. And so basically, uh, you're putting a cap on how high it can go, at least for you. Uh, and so you, you're limiting your profit on it, but you're also getting paid some money up front. All right. So let's say you buy uh, 100 shares of XYZ stock at $100 per share, 100 per share. 100, and so you bought 100 shares, $100 per share. Uh, so you bought $10,000 worth of XYZ stock. And you say, and and you say, okay, uh, let's be realistic. I think it's going to go up, but I don't think the shares are going to go uh, past uh, one hundred ten dollars per share. Uh, they might, but I, I don't think they're going to go up much past that over the next year. And so you could sell a covered call on those hundred shares, uh, and you could put the strike price at one hundred ten dollars for those hundred shares of XYZ stock. And so what that means is that uh, you'll have to sell it at a hundred. $10 a share if it goes above that and stays above that $110. That's called strike price. You. Your call, stock would be called away from you if it went up. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're, that's why they call it a, a covered call. Your 100 shares w would be called away from you. You'd have to sell them. Okay. Uh, it, in fact, the person that you sold that covered call option to, they can force you to sell your 100 shares at any time. Uh, but they probably won't do it unless... XYZ stock goes and stays above $110 a share. Uh, so, so what? Why would you do that? Why would you cap your potential upside? Well, the person you sold the covered call to, remember you're selling something, so you get paid for it. You might get paid $5 a share or $10 a share or whatever it is. So you get a cash credit. You get cash in your brokerage account immediately. And you only feel like a dummy if XYZ stock skyrockets over the next year, if it goes up and up, if XYZ stock goes to 120, 130, $150 a share, $200 a share, then you'll say, oh man, I shouldn't have sold that covered call. Yeah, I got paid, I don't know, uh, $5 a share up front, but the, the darn thing, man, I had to sell it at 110 and it went up to 150 or something. But how often does that happen? Uh, stocks, uh, uh, seventy percent of the time, seventy percent of the time, stocks go—they chop sideways. 
So you might have a fantasy that as soon as you buy XYZ stock, it's going to shoot upward. It's going to go vertical. But 70% of the time, stocks don't go vertically upward or downward, by the way. Most of the time, they're, they're chopping sideways. And so getting that cash payment up front immediately and then watching the stock go sideways, as it usually will most of the time, feels good because you don't make money when stocks go sideways, but you made money off of selling that covered call. So give yourself that second dividend. And you know what? Even if the stock does skyrocket up and you could have made more money, heck, you still made money. You made money from the stock price appreciation all the way up to, let's say, you know, 110 or whatever the strike price was. And plus on top of that, you got paid cash up front. So except you're that... Your, you're limiting your gain, but you are still going to have a gain is what you're saying. You're, in, you're limiting your potential gains if the darn thing skyrockets, but that does not happen most of the time. Yeah. Uh, so you still profit if the thing skyrockets. You profit if the stock goes sideways. You don't get that kind of deal with just buying stocks. Yeah. Uh, and if the stock goes down, hey, at least you got paid basically free money up front. And that cushions your loss, makes you feel a little bit better about your loss. Uh, so uh, it's almost a no-lose situation. I say almost because, again, you could have made more in some instances, but that doesn't happen as often as people think. You have on your website some other what you call portfolio protection strategies. In addition yeah. to covered calls and some of those we've talked about, what are some other ways to protect your portfolio against a potential downfall when people aren't expecting that right now? Yeah, well, there's a saying that I like to use, diversify or die, D or D. Which one are you going to choose? <laughs> yeah. So it, it, don't go all in with anything. Uh, keep your position sizes small, no more than 10% on anything, and, and only 10% if we're talking about Coca-Cola or McDonald's stock, something that always seems to come back. Uh, and if it's speculative, even less than 10%, less than 5% uh, for people get closer to retirement age. Uh, so small position sizes, uh, diversify or die. And what do you diversify into? Well, things that are not correlated, uncorrelated assets. And so maybe you've got some gold and silver over here uh, or, go, or, you know, the, or the Sprott, uh, you know, uh, holdings or, or something similar. Uh, maybe you've got some S&P 500 type stocks over there. Uh, maybe you've got some, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, cryptocurrencies over there and then some cannabis stocks, which don't always correlate with the S&P 500, by the way. On any given day, look at, you know, the, the S&P 500 and look at pot stocks and see how they move opposite ways oftentimes. Uh, so you've, you've got different, you know, maybe you've got some real estate holdings or, or you know, Fundrise or Pier Street, you know, crowdfunding real estate uh, type of investments. Maybe, maybe you're doing some lending club type of investments, uh, you know, micro lending, as they say. Uh, so when you have the diversification, when you use, you use small position sizes for every investment uh, and, and you're selling some covered calls to give you a little bit of cushion when you can, uh, you know what, you can sleep soundly at night. Uh, and yes, you're limiting your gains because you don't have one thing that goes up 10,000% uh, overnight. But in case you haven't noticed by now, I'm about, I'm willing to limit my gains 
in order to have a risk-reward profile that is reasonable because, as Murphy's Law says, you know, whenever something can go wrong, it will. And things will go wrong, but if you follow those steps, you'll probably be all right. So instead of Murphy's Law, I guess we have Modell's Law, which is to diversify or die. You know, I, I'm going to patent that, and it's on record and on tape here. <laughs> Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is David Modell. Uh, he is a market analyst. You can see more about him at his YouTube channel, which is David Modell looking at the markets. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, David Modell, is a market analyst. He has a YouTube channel called David Modell Looking at the Markets. Welcome back to the show, David. Thank you for bringing me on. I appreciate it. So we are in election year. Uh, there's always volatility, uh, with, and things like Iran and the Middle East have just come up. How should investors invest through this volatile year where we don't really know what's going to happen in the election? Yeah, well, historically, uh, election years are challenging, uh, but, you know, history almost doesn't even, yeah, seasonal patterns almost don't matter now because uh, there's a lot of, I, I hate to use the M word and manipulation, <laughs> uh, but this is a policy controlled market. Uh, it's not controlled by fundamentals so much anymore. Uh, so it is what it is. You got you got to trade what you see, not what you uh, wish. You know, <laughs> don't trade yeah. what ought to be. Trade what and is. What do you see in the political environment? Uh, it a lot of divisiveness. Uh, people, you know, friends and family members not speaking to each other, alienation, estrangement. Uh, it really bothers me. Uh, and it, it, it's not tradable, really. I mean, it, it, you can't uh, profit from this so easily, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not here to try to profit off of things that are really bothering me in America right now. Um, I think it's going to be bitter and contentious even more than uh, late 2016. Well, uh, what will happen if a progressive candidate, in fact, wins the presidency, such as Bernie Sanders or, or Elizabeth Warren, what would the mar- how would the market take that? Uh, 
You know, that question sounds a lot like what would happen if Hillary doesn't win uh, back in uh, November of 2016. Oh, what if Hillary, because everybody was expecting Hillary Clinton to win, and yes. they thought that there would be turmoil uh, if, if she didn't because she was very Fed-friendly. Uh, so, uh, and, and very, you know, dovish and accommodative. Uh, and if you will recall, on the night of the election, uh, the S&P 500 futures, I, I'm sure you remember this, it's I'm fun. sure a lot of listeners Fun's remember. Came back, right. Yeah, yeah, it went down uh, over 5% uh, at around uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, and by the end of that trading day, it was up over 1%. Yes. Uh, so uh, I, I'm going to misquote Yogi Berra. Uh, it's really hard to make make predictions, especially about the future. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you know, now you've got the same situation. Just reverse the names. Uh, it, it seems like everybody's expecting uh, Donald Trump to win, which he might. Sure, uh, yeah, I'm not trying going to try to predict that or even go there. Uh, and now people are afraid of what's going to happen to the stock market if he doesn't win. <laughs> it's the total opposite of uh, you know Novo- November eighth, uh, twenty sixteen type of predictions. Yeah. Uh, so you know what, uh, uh, America will be fine. Uh, the stock market might wobble a little bit, and then it'll it'll go back to business as usual because whoever is in office uh, will uh, accommodate the big banks. Uh, they will accommodate uh, the stock market because no president, Republican, Democrat, or otherwise, wants the market to go down. And the government has figure out, figured out a way to keep the stock market up no matter what. Now they can do it with a tweet. And it doesn't even have to be a president or it doesn't even have to be the president anymore saying that, uh, you know, things are great in the economy and we're getting closer to a trade deal. Now, it, even uh, if Trump's janitor says we're getting closer to a trade deal, the, the market would probably go up. So One they've the figured out issues. a way to keep it up, and they're going to continue to do that no matter who the president is. If the market wobbles, uh, I'm going to buy. One of the big issues in this campaign is the income inequality and how the top 1% are getting more and more of the assets, and the, the bottom 99% are very unsatisfied. It, is that a major problem, and what could be done to lessen income inequality? Yeah, uh, it has gotten worse, um, and I'm not sure that the the government necessarily. This is you know I, I don't want to sound conspiracy theorist or anything like that. I'm not convinced that the government or especially the Federal Reserve wants it otherwise. Um, I mean, fifty percent of uh, adults in the United States do not own any stocks at all. Yeah. Uh, so you, we had this quote unquote recovery since 2008, 2009, but who participated? Uh, probably it, if you look, if, if you walk outside your house and look at the neighbor to the left of you and the neighbor to the right of you, they probably, both of them probably did not participate in the recovery, which benefited stocks. The S&P 500 is up uh, 350%. Since uh, the stock market or the S and P bottomed out in uh, uh, March of 2009, so uh, who who benefited from this? Uh, you know, not not most people, not the hardworking Americans, certainly not the shrinking middle class. So uh, you don't think that the government can? I mean, Elizabeth Warren would have huge new taxes on higher income people and redistribute it to the average person both directly in tax cuts and indirectly through free medical care and free tuition and all kinds of other free things. Do you think that would work uh, to have redistribution? 
Uh, no, because it's not sustainable. Uh, who pays for all that? Who pays for anything? Uh, I, I'd like to hear more talk, and, and this, this is not a you know Republican or Democrat thing. I'd like to hear more talk uh, from both sides of who's going to pay for this. Uh, whether it's, you know, the, the Republicans like to spend money on defense. Okay, I get it. The Democrats want to spend a lot of money on environmental initiatives and uh, in some cases, helicopter money, you know, just giving out free money to people or free college or whatever, free health care. So both sides are guilty of this. And my question is always, who's going to pay for this? Uh, so you can give out free money or you could spend a lot of money on this, that, and the other, but who pays for it? Well, the taxpayer does. And so <laughs> uh, it, you just get this vicious cycle uh, of, of uh, politicians on both sides saying, oh, here's this is free. Don't you want this? They're all going to promise this all the way up to November 8th. Both sides are going to promise it. And I'm pretty sick and tired of it because, uh, no, it's not free. There's no free lunch, and we're all going to end up paying for it, and they might have to raise taxes on the middle class to pay for it. They might have to cut entitlement programs. They might have to cut Social Security uh, and so on. So Medicare, Medicaid, uh, they're probably going to have to do all those things, and I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. One last issue you like to talk about is many jobs are going to be automated out of existence. Andrew Yang talks about this a lot. Robotics artificial intelligence, machine learning. What should people do if they're in a position where they could be automated out of their jobs? Yeah, well, uh, the 10 jobs that AI, artificial intelligence, will most likely replace in the coming years, uh, I've got a list here, and number one is telemarketer. Makes sense, right? Because, uh, you know, we all, we've, we've all received robocalls before. Uh, but also receptionists, uh, bookkeeping clerks, uh, and computer support specialists. So don't think that all uh, tech-type jobs are necessarily safe from automation. Uh, and even retail salespeople uh, are you know, in uh, jeopardy. They're in peril of being replaced. So if you want to stay into something that uh, is not necessarily safe, but safer. You want something, you have to ask yourself, what's a little bit more creative and, uh, you know, what, what is irre- less replaceable? I won't say irreplaceable. Uh, so at the top of the list of better th- ones to get into, uh, besides, you know, coding, uh, we all know that tech jobs are great, but how about HR, human resource managers? Uh, uh, writers such as myself, thank goodness, <laughs> uh, software developers, uh, event, event planners, graphic designers, and uh, sales managers. Those are near the top of the list of ones that are better to get into or stay into or at least develop those skills because you're going to have to make a shift in your career track uh, if you're on the hit list at one point or another. Better to do it sooner and gain those skills now rather than wait and then get uh, excised or uh, out, outsourced, as they say. In the roughly two minutes we have left, kind of summarize your overall look of what 2020 is going to look like. Uh, divisiveness, bitterness, uh, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be an ugly year, and we need a healthy market correction. Uh, I do believe a 10%er uh, is due this year. Yes, I know we had a 20% correction uh, a little bit over a year ago, but that was a V-shaped rally, didn't count. Uh, We're going to have a correction that sticks finally, and I will be buying when that happens. And you're saying you should put some money into the alternatives we talked about, gold, silver, 
cryptocurrencies, and cannabis stocks. All the above, but 10% or less uh, in each position, 5% or less if you're near retirement. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been David Modell. He's a market analyst around the world. He has a YouTube channel uh, called David Modell Looking at the Markets, who discusses all these things. He's got many, many videos about a lot of these different topics. Thanks so much for giving us some great advice, David. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.